Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hello everyone, how are you doing on this fine Wednesday? Although, of course, for you, it might not be Wednesday. How are you doing on whatever day it is today? It is so lovely to be with you for episode number, I think I'm right when I say this, 152. Or is it 153? No, it's 152. Guys, I can't believe we've done that many episodes. And um, I was talking to someone the other day and they're like, I'm up to episode nine. And we laughed. I'm like, yep, you've got a long way to go. Um, But I love it. I love knowing that I've got new listeners coming along all the time. I'm constantly bumping into people here in Brisbane. And uh, the first thing they say is, oh, I love listening to your podcast. So thanks, guys. I love it when um, when I get to hear from you in person. Anyway, what are we doing? What I'm doing is, sorry, I'm getting distracted because... Cameron is texting me as I'm trying to have a look at my phone and look at some of my notes because, guys, I've got something really exciting to tell you. It's the reason he's texting me. Cameron and I have actually got our first uh, leadership – well, it's kind of a leadership book, but anyway, our first, um, yeah, I guess leadership book coming out really soon. Um, It's probably a whole story to tell, so I don't want to give too much away, but guys, we've got a brand new book coming. We've got our devotional series, um, which I know a lot of you have been buying recently, which is awesome. Um, But yeah, we've got a book coming, but I don't want to spoil any more. So I will save that for another episode. But today, I thought I would start a little bit of a new collection called the Think Again Collection. This is part one today. I basically want to bring you something each week where I've thought something my whole life or for a long time, and it might have recently or maybe not so recently come to my attention that something that I'd been told was true is perhaps not as true as I thought. And that's why I'm calling it Think Again. It's things that I've had to think twice about, and perhaps um, I've completely changed my my view on something. And one of those things happened this week, and it has so blown my mind that I could not wait to share it with you guys. I think the jury is still out on it for me, but I'm going to present everything that I found out this week that has literally rocked the foundations of some of the stuff that I've thought um, about this topic, which I'll share with you in just a moment. But if you are listening to this podcast, I would say you listen to it for the same reason that I actually do it, which is I am, and I would say you are a truth seeker. And when I have believed something my whole life and then information comes my way that makes me question that perhaps I've not been told the truth about something all these years, I just cannot walk away from that. Once I know and I see something, I can't unsee it and I have to find out more. But the problem with that is, and I'm sure that you would agree with me, it can shake the foundation of the things that you've built your life on. And not only the foundation that you've built your life on, but it can shake the trust of the people that you always trusted. And it shocks me that people that I thought I could trust, 
that maybe I can't trust them after all. So if you listen to this podcast and you've stuck with me all this time, I'd say it's because you also are a truth seeker and a thinker and you like to have your perspective challenged. And I truly believe that when we know better, we do better. And I truly believe when we think better, we live better. Now, I never meant for my life to go down to the, down this path. I've probably developed into a thinker more as I've gotten older because my natural personality is really actually to go with the flow and to do as I'm told. I'm a natural rule keeper. I'm not someone that would stray out of the lines. Cameron's more like that. Mind you, I have always loved out-of-the-box people. You know, even as a teacher, I have, I was always... I always loved being given the challenge of teaching the kids that everyone else said, oh, they're really naughty. You're going to have a hard year with them. They're rebellious. I loved that challenge because I pride myself on actually becoming these kids' favorite teacher, which, um, and, and often their parents, because I always thought these kids, they were not naughty. They were out of the box kids who were misunderstood usually with absolute hearts of gold. And they just didn't fit neatly in between the lines. And I love people like that. Um, And now, strangely, I find myself becoming that out-of-the-box person. Um, And I think it started because I realized we had a generation who were not content to just do things a certain way. Not like my generation. I grew up like you know, if these are the rules, this is what you do. If this is what the Bible says, this is what you do. But we've got a generation now, I think that are just not content. They want to know why, why should I do things that way? They're not content to obey what they just see as perhaps rules from the Bible. But one day I remember hearing this social commentator say something that changed my perspective, probably got me thinking along these lines. And he was not a Christian. And yet he, he said that he thought the Bible was had in it the principles that would be the best way for anyone to live. And that if God said something, it's because that's what's best for us. But our job, he said, remember, this social commentator was not a Christian. He said, our job should be to find the wisdom behind why God tells us to live certain ways and to present that to people. Don't just tell people how to live, but find out why and tell them that part. And that made sense to me to find out the wisdom behind why God tells us to do or not to do certain things and to help people understand that, which is what I try and do on the podcast. So of course, that gets me asking questions, which leads to more questions and more research and more research and has led to a lot of the episodes here on Girl Next Door. Um, And this I think it's become a gift and a burden at the same time, because the more questions I ask of myself, the more questions I end up with, and the more research I do, the more rabbit holes I end up going down, which is where I landed myself this week. And I'm going to bring you down with me this time. And um, like I said, once I see something, I can't unsee it. And then I have to share it with you. And I'd really like to know what you think about this too. I'd love to know your opinion. So this collection is going to be a bunch of things that, um, as they continue to come across my table, um, that I'll present to you. But I don't want you to believe everything I say. Go and do your research for yourself. Um, And I realize that with each passing day, I have a feeling that we've been told a lot of things in our society that are turning out not to be true, or maybe not as true, or only half true as what we thought. Okay, I want to be... um, I guess, someone who's a prophetic voice. And do you know who the prophets of today are? They are actually just 
simply the people who speak the truth into a culture of lies. And this does require making us uncomfortable. So today you might find yourself being a bit uncomfortable, but in life, we're either going to lead or we're going to be led. Um, We're either going to allow ourselves just to lazily believe everything we're told, or we're going to think about it and seek the truth out for ourselves. So I want to talk about something that you might think doesn't really affect you, but I promise you, for most of you, the majority of you, it does. And the reason it does is because if this is true, what I'm about to share with you, then I wonder how much of our modern lives lives, L-I-V-E-S, are being built on a culture of lies, L-I-E-S. And if we've been lied to about these things, what else have they lied to us about? And it's relevant to you because most likely you've participated in this. So what am I talking about? I want to talk to you about polio and the polio Uh, epidemic that happened years ago that you might not be aware of. um, But the, um, all of us, most of us, unless your parents didn't, um, didn't believe in vaccines, all of us would have had the polio vaccine when you're a baby. You would have been given either the drops under your tongue, which is what I was given as a child, or I think in 2005, they turned it from the drops to an actual vaccine. So it's part of the vaccine schedule here in Australia and most other countries around the world. Now, this is personal to me because my auntie, who is now like, you know, a lot older, obviously, uh, she actually got polio just after my family moved from Holland to Australia. And she was five years of age, I think, or maybe four, four or five. And just after my grandparents moved my um, my mom and my auntie and my uncles here to Australia, she caught polio and she almost died. She was kept in the hospital for months. My my Alma visited her every day by train and she survived, but she ended up with a crippled arm. So she's never had the use of her entire arm or shoulder and has needed a lot of assistance her whole life. And so I grew up knowing that. I grew up knowing that my auntie has um, this uh, this disability, this, this crippled arm because of polio. So if you do a quick Google search about polio, you'll find the history of it very easily in Australia. And the first thing you'll probably read is that in about 1956, um, the introduction of the polio vaccine was basically the catalyst that ended the polio epidemic in Australia. And that is something I've always believed. I've had the polio vaccine. My kids have had the polio vaccine. Um, Cameron's had the polio vaccine. I always credited the fact that, um, you know, I didn't want to have the same thing happen to us that happened to my auntie, but my mind's mind's been blown guys with what I'm about to share with you. Um, but I've always accredited it to being the incredible technology of the vaccines. So let's quickly look at what polio is because you've probably heard of it, but you might not know much about it. But um, according to a government website, it was the most frightening disease to affect Australians during the 20th century, not just Australians, but it also was a pandemic at the similar time in America. Um, It was an incurable and unpredictable viral disease that mostly targeted children and it could cause permanent paralysis and even death. So for my auntie, it caused um, the permanent paralysis in her arm. So a lot of children would recover, but one of their limbs, mostly it was their legs usually, that would um, either be one or both paralyzed. 
Now, it was thought to be caused by a gastrointestinal virus that was highly contagious. Now, in most cases, it had no, you know, little effect on the child. It really wasn't more than a flu. But in about 1% of children, it spread to the nervous system, which caused paralysis. And then out of those children, 5 to 10% of those would die because it would affect their lungs as well. Now, polio was first heard about in the late 1800s, but the epidemic happened here in Australia between the years of 1944. You've got to remember this bit, 1944 till about 1954. And then there was another smaller epidemic in the early 60s. And in America, the epidemic happened about the same time. It was really painful for children. They were put in infectious disease wards. It sounds a lot like COVID actually. And often they weren't allowed to see their parents. The standard treatment was to immobilize their affected limbs by um, strapping them to braces. It was very painful. It took months for them to restore movement. Um, and some of them had affected their lungs so that they were put in these big, large artificial respirators, which were known as the iron lungs. You can Google this children in iron lungs, and you'll see what these respirators were. Now in 1955, so this was obviously at the end, kind of tail end of that, that pandemic, an American known as Dr. Jonas Salk, S-A-L-K, he developed the first polio vaccine. And then a few years later, another guy, he invented the drops instead of the vaccine. And so both were kind of used and it's estimated that their vaccine saved about 600,000 lives here in Australia. Now that vaccine was rolled out worldwide and polio has been eradicated in most countries, but it still remains a pandemic in some countries like Afghanistan, Nigeria, and Pakistan. So basically, we're told that high immunization levels are crucial, okay? So you might not have known that, but there you go. Now, of course, the vaccine's been hailed a great success and the reason for the almost eradication of the disease. Now, remember what I told you before. The outbreak happened here in Australia between 1944 and 1954. Now, this next part that I'm going to drop like a bomb on you uh, you won't find it in the Australian history textbooks. You will not find it in the American textbooks. You have to dig to find this. Um, there is some research on it. Uh, some of the researchers in the world-renowned BMJ, um, which is a, a medical journal, uh, don't bother using Google. If you want to look this up, use another search engine like DuckDuckGo, uh, and you will find some other articles that um, have been trying to, I guess, uh, expose the hidden truth behind polio. Um, but at least it will give you enough if you do your own research there to start uh, doing other research to help clarify what I'm saying. But let me give you some info that came across my table this week, which has literally blown my mind and shocked me. Okay. So the polio epidemic occurred at the same time that a chemical, which you might or might not have heard of called DDT was being sprayed on mass in Australia and America. Let me repeat that, guys. The polio epidemic, what you're not told, is it occurred at the same time that a chemical known as DDT was being sprayed on mass in Australia. Now, while polio had been around before DDT, it had never been around as an epidemic, just a few cluster cases here and there, like in the tents. Now, there's, a, there's an article that you can read for yourself, um, basically called Everything About Polio, 
is wrong. DDT good for me is the name of the article. Inbox me if you want the link. But remember I said the epidemic started in Australia in 1944. What else happened in Australia in 1944? The Australian troops were spraying DDT to combat malaria because DDT was a insecticide and they wanted to kill the mosquitoes that was causing malaria. So in uh, 1944 in Australia, they were spraying it from the ground, from the air, and they were also directly spraying it into the water to kill the mosquitoes. And they also were spraying their living and sleeping quarters because malaria at the time was killing a lot of people. But what they didn't know was the DDT they were spraying was toxic to people. So even after it was banned from being used on people, it was still being used on crops. And I'll explain that in just a moment. So let's just look at what is DDT. So it's a chemical um, now banned, which successfully would kill mosquitoes and other bugs. And people would use this to kill the mosquitoes that were causing diseases because they wanted to eradicate diseases like malaria and typhus. Now, DDT has been linked to a number of health issues, such as pancreatic cancer. Um, It is colorless, tasteless, and almost odorless. So you don't know that this poison is being sprayed. Um, And the man who was credited for discovering the effect it had on insects, he was actually awarded a Nobel Peace Prize in Physiology and Medicine in 1948. So it can be hard to find some Australian facts. So you'll hear me citing some of the American facts as well. But um, basically, uh, polio in America was um, declared as eradicated in about 1972, which happened to coincide with the same year that DDT was banned, which is really interesting. So what happened was in the 1940s, this DDT was sprayed en masse over Australia, in America, not just in the streets, but actually it was directly sprayed onto people. Um, Because remember what they were trying to do, they were trying to eradicate diseases like malaria and typhus. So they thought they were onto a really good thing. There was a huge advertising campaign around the miraculous product DDT. Um, Now we know it now to be toxic to humans. So It makes these adverts seem unbelievable, but Google them yourself. The people mostly targeted in these ads were actually mothers who were told it was this miracle working um, spray that would kill the bugs from your home. And there was these pictures of mums spraying it in their baby's room and around the baby and under the cot and in the kitchen. And then you'll also see video footage of people literally being sprayed on mass. They had like, looked like a bike pump and they were pumping this DDT onto people, down their clothes, like on their bodies, down their clothes. Um, like I said, here in Australia, it was sprayed in their living quarters to try and stop people from getting sick from malaria. Now, let me give a couple of the American statistics, but between the years of 1946 and 1952, so very similar time to in Australia, 1.34 billion ton, tons of DDT was sprayed in the US. Did you hear that? 1.34 billion tons 
of DDT was sprayed in America, in the US, between the, um, the years 1946 and 1952. At the same time, magically, stacks of children started suffering from this new strange virus that caused paralysis called polio. You can, you can see the video footage of this yourself. It's absolutely horrifying because we know now, watching it, that they were literally spraying people with poison. But the media was saturating people with positive images of this scientific progress and the marvels of, marvels of DDT, DDT to kill disease-carrying mosquitoes. Now, a doctor at the time called Dr. Biskind, B-I-S-K-I-N-D, Biskind, he made this really clear observation that polio, which was a disease of the central nervous system, remember it caused paralysis, he could see the correlation between that disease and the, the government allowing and encouraging this poison to be sprayed en masse. So he was the one making the link between DDT and the new diseases that they were seeing in humans. Now, very quickly, um, they tried to uh, censor this kind, and um, they didn't want to to publish the articles that he was writing. He actually ended up having to self-publish. But about nine years after he was trying to tell everyone this, that there is a link between polio and the spraying of DDT, another journalist called Rachel Carson, she wrote a book called Silent Spring. And in that book, she talked about the environmental impact more so. She also did talk about the health impact, but more the the environmental impact that correlated with this introduction of DDT on agriculture. She also did mention that DDT was known to cause cancer. And she, in her book, questioned how could the government promote the use of dangerous chemicals into the environment with little prior investigation into the environmental and health effects. And the main focus of this book um, what it ended up doing was people ignored the part about the health of, uh, health impact, and instead the activists took up the environmental effects. And so that's what led to its ban in 1972. It wasn't because of the health effects that this DDT was having. It was because of the environmental impact that it was having. The health impact they ignored. Even Wikipedia to this day states that DDT used in limited amounts um, was used because of its effectiveness on mosquitoes, but that the use is controversial due to environmental and health concerns. But again, they don't really talk about the health concerns. They really uh, focus more on the environmental concerns. They don't give a lot of detail except to say that it's a carcinogen. And it did does say that it's got, it has major effects on human re- reproduction, including semen production, spontaneous abortion, low birth weight, menstruation, and I could go on and on. But they really minimize the health impact. Now, how does DDT work on insects? Guys, this is going to blow your mind. The way that DDT works is basically it paralyzes the insect. Did you get that? Do you want me to say it again? The effect that DDT has on insects and on other animals, by the way, is it paralyzes them. Like ever tried spraying a fly and the next thing it can't move or a spider and it can't move? Okay, that's how DDT works. It paralyzes them. It was also known that when calves drank the milk of their mothers, the cows, 
who had eaten food that had been sprayed with DDT, those calves became paralyzed. So here you've got the insects becoming paralyzed, the calves becoming paralyzed. But hang on a second. What epidemic happened at the same time that this was being sprayed? Polio. And remember, polio was paralysis, partly paralysis of the limbs, including the lungs. And yet you can't find any evidence or any reports on any investigations that was done into the effect that DDT was having on was having on humans when it was sprayed onto them. Nothing to see here, I guess. This just blew me away. Now, in 1953, this article that this Dr. Biskind um, wrote, he was trying to argue there is a clear connection. He warns how other investigators, independent of him, in 1945, had studied DDT and gave advice for it not to be used as it was dangerous to all forms of life, not just animals. And he went on to say that since its wide use during the war, there had been the development of several new syndromes in people never observed before. And of course, one of the greatest ones of those was polio. He said that the catastrophic series of events that happened, aka polio, after the mass spraying of a poison should have been obvious. He said the causal relationship between polio and DDT would have been immediately accepted in any other field of biology. And, um, you know, very, very quietly, you didn't really hear of the, the, the main reasons that were given to the eventual banning of DDT was only environmental reasons were cited. So on top of this polio epidemic um, happening, it was also mostly being witnessed in the regions where this mass spraying um, and fumigating in the streets and directly spraying it on people was happening. But nothing to see here. But remember, what have we established? DDT affects the central nervous system of insects and other animals, and this results in hyperactivity, paralysis, and death. And yet we are told that the human health effects from DDT at low environmental doses are unknown. So what? from what I can tell, no one actually went on to investigate fully the effect of DDT on humans. But my question is, why the heck not, since it was being sprayed en masse directly onto humans? And the only thing I can think of is that the government were like, oh crap, we've made a mistake. We better keep this really quiet because if we have, um, if this, if this stuff that we've sprayed, that we thought we were doing a helpful thing, you know, by eradicating these diseases caused by mosquitoes, but we've actually done more harm, then we can't let the public know that. Now, if you know anything about DDT, by the way, it lasts a really long time. It lasts a long time in soil. They say between two to 15 years to break down in soil. And in humans, it can, um, it can live up to six to 10 years in, in their bodies. In fact, when there were blood samples tested in 2005 by the CDC in America, um, 
the they're still finding and detecting DDT in almost all human blood samples, obviously to a, to a much lesser degree since it's been um, banned. So there is a graph that I looked at, and if you could physically see this graph, you'll find it on that link I mentioned before. They were plotting on this graph the incidence of polio and the production of DDT at the same time. And the lines rise and fall together, which suggests there is a direct correlation between polio and the spraying of DDT. Independent researchers at the same time were finding that DDT may produce a degeneration in certain cells of the spinal cord of animals. So Dr. Biskind came to the conclusion that surely everybody must have wanted to have come to if they knew what was going on. But he said when the population is exposed to a chemical agent known to produce in animals legions in the spinal cord resembling those in human polio and thereafter the latter disease increases sharply in incidence and maintains its epidemic character year after year, is it unreasonable to suspect and oh, I can't say this word, etiologic relationship? So in other words, he's saying it is reasonable for us to believe that there has to be a connection between polio and DDT. Now, any literature now that you can find will happily discuss the effects that DDT has on the environment. I remember learning about that, the the effect of DDT on the environment in primary school, but any research completely ignores or brushes over any physiological effects. Now, Biskind had the courage to write about the effect on humans, but his views fell into disfavor, guess at what point? After the introduction of the polio vaccine. So the answer to stopping the polio epidemic was not not to stop spraying the DDT, but to invent a vaccine. Mind shook, right? So the accepted narrative that we decades later have believed is that, you know, anything to do with DDT has been kept quiet and it's become the accepted truth that polio was caused by a virus and the vaccines were the successful um, pieces of the puzzle that eradicated it. But think about it. Before 1950, DDT was held this miracle of progress that was virtually non-toxic to humans. But then after 1950, because of what Biskind was saying in the articles he was printed, eventually they realized there was greater awareness that perhaps it was causing some damage. And so they improved the labeling and the handling methods. And by 1954 and afterwards, they decreased um, the amount that it was used on humans, um, but it was still used for agriculture. And by 1972, it was banned for everything altogether. And funnily enough, that is the same year that polio was declared eradicated. So when you look at those graphs, polio shows no movement independent from pesticide movement. So what does that tell you? Guess what else happened? The plot thickens even more. 
After the vaccine rollout in 1954, the American Medicine Association changed the diagnostic definition of polio. Hmm, there's something else I know that they've changed recently. In fact, they've changed three times since 2015, and that's the definition of what a vaccine is. So how interesting that as soon as the rollout of the vaccine happened, they also changed the definition of what polio was. And this meant that the number of polio cases under the new definition also decreased. How interesting is all of that information? So what are we looking at here? Um, My questions are endless. Uh, And this is what I want to finish off with is the questions that this has left me, because like I said, this has just come across my table, but it completely changes things for me and for you. It completely changes the narrative. It's like, are you kidding me? If this is true, then we've been completely lied to about, um, about polio and the reason for its eradication. So my questions are, um, are polio and DDT, um, and maybe perhaps even other poisons, I won't even go into that, but there was another poison that was implicated, but are they directly related? Did DDT cause the epidemic of polio? Um, Does it not seem suspicious that the two happened at the same time and in direct correlation with one another? And that when DDT was slowly used less and then banned, that the polio epidemic also decreased and then disappeared. Are they covering up one of the biggest mistakes in history? Did the vaccine really help to eradicate polio or did they make that up to cover up? Were the vaccines given the credit of eradicating it to cover up the mass damage that they had caused by using DDT? Do we have an industry so powerful it can literally poison people on a mass scale and then remove all the information pertaining to that mass poisoning from future textbooks and even Google? Is it true also, this is another thing I haven't even gone into, but the countries who still see larger case numbers of polio, I listed them before, Afghanistan, um, I can't remember the others, I have to go back to my notes, but there are a couple of them, Pakistan. Is it true, like I've heard, that those countries who still are seeing larger cases of polio still use DDT as an insecticide in those countries? And if all of this is true, then why are we still being given polio vaccines? And if all of this is true and they've covered this up, Are there other things that they've covered up? Do we have an industry that's creating epidemics and pandemics and then creating vaccines as the solution, but really they aren't? Mind blown. Mind blown. Guys, I was so shocked when I came across that information. And so, like I said, go and do your own research. Have a listen to this again, because there was a lot to take in and it was... There was just so much information when I started going down the rabbit hole. It was really kind of hard to put it together in a in, in a good timeline. And also 
there was not as much stuff about Australian statistics as there were American statistics. But I still thought it was super interesting that the the very same time that polio became an epidemic here in Australia, at the very same time, the soldiers um, towards the end of the war were spraying it here all throughout regions in, in Australia to eradicate malaria. And of course, like I said, this is personal to me because my auntie, um, she was born in Europe, but when she was uh, three or four, they moved here to Australia. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to call my mum this week and I'm going to ask her if she ever remembers anything being sprayed. Um, I don't think she would know. I don't because it was colourless, tasteless, odourless, um, unless they were told about it. And I can't imagine that they were told about it. Um, I don't know if she would know that, that it was sprayed, but when they first moved here, my family did leave out, live out in, in the country. They lived out. That's where all of the new immigrants came to. They were not put in the cities. They were put out in the country, um, where more of this stuff was sprayed. So I find this all really fascinating and utterly mind blowing and really kind of disgraceful that if this is true, how can the government hide this? You know, you can't hide lies forever. The truth always comes out in the end. So guys, I want you to go and do your own research. And believe me, it does not stop at polio. Um, there, there was stuff that I, I then started researching about all the other kind of vaccines that we have as children. And I literally, my mind was blown. So anyway, if you guys also have anything that you would like me to talk about in this Think Again series, can you let me know? Because uh, like I said, I love researching and finding out stuff and, you know, just working out. Like here's another one. This is one that I want to do is I was told in all throughout primary school, that because of um, climate change, that the polar bears were all dying. And then I found out the truth about that. I'm going to do a podcast on that because again, it's just like, oh my gosh, we just take everything at face value. And I just wonder how many lies we've been told. Mind blowing. Guys, thank you for being with me. Thank you for sticking with me. Um, go and do some of your own research and come and let me know what you think about this because I'd love to have a discussion with some of you. Anyway, I will see you on Friday for Parenthood Friday. We'll see you then. Have a good week. Bye.